Thomas Fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Hey, folks. Out there in podcast land, uh, welcome one more time to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This old gravelly voice you hear is Steve Fielder, your host, and I'll be with you for the next hour to an hour and a half talking dogs, uh, coon hounds this time. Uh, got my good friend, my Florida buddy, my swamp buster down here uh, on as our guest today, and I'll be introducing him in just a minute. I want to give just a minute to pay the bills and thank the good folks out at DU Hunting Supply, Buddy Woodbury, Jason Doobie, my producer Shannon, everybody out there that does such a great job in producing these podcasts. But more than that, they do a great job in providing hunting supplies for virtually any need you have. If you're a hound person, you can get it at DU Supply, they got some great apparel. I see where they just got a brand new line of hats, and I think they've got a deal out there. If you buy so much in product, you get a real good deal on these sharp new hats. So anyway, just a shout out to DU Hunting Supply, uh, our sponsor, a great place to buy anything involving your hounds or coon or bear or cat or whatever you choose to uh, hunt with them. So thank you guys. All right. It's uh, time for me to announce uh, our guest. And uh, he's a guy that I've known for quite a long time. I didn't know him before I came to Florida, but I saw his name in the magazines. I knew he was a plot guy. So that automatically made him my brother from another mother. Uh, The plot fraternity is pretty strong and uh just real happy to have you with me today gordy schrader how you doing gordy i'm doing good steve well i tell you what uh you and i both are afflicted with this uh disease called coon hunting and we're having to do it in a pretty rough place have you ever seen any rougher coon hunting than we have down here no not in particularly it's it's pretty tough down here you know from the the Ocala National Forest and to the to the swamps we hunt. It's it's rough. Well, you took me to a really nice place one time up there. I remember it's it's known all over Florida for its its kind of golf course like conditions. It's called the o- Ocala Scrub. You want to talk to? <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh. Oh uh, yeah, that's um. You know there are there are a few open areas in there where the hunting's pretty good you get down around some of the smaller ponds or lakes but um yeah man overall it is just thick i mean it's it's a scrub it is just thick and there's there's a few oaks uh a lot of pines sand pines and uh tree a lot of coons on them pines you know when the when you can tree a coon yeah well we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty with that and kind of break down Florida hunting compared to Midwestern hunting. You're from Northwest Ohio. I lived for 22 years in Southern Michigan, so we have a lot of parallels there probably to that kind of hunting. And then the stuff that we've done here, um, as is the custom on these podcasts, the kind of an introductory uh, thing here to get uh, the guests and the listeners on the same page. Tell me a little bit about who you are, Gordy, how, how old you are, uh, where you were born, how you, you know, 
about your family, just just some of that stuff. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm going to be 57 here in June. Um, came from Northwest Ohio, a uh, little Midwest farm community uh, up in Putnam County. Uh, we, I was raised on a small farm up there. Um, have uh, five brothers, four sisters, and a uh, big family. So as far as the hunting goes, um, I got into the coon hunting, I'm going to guess around the sixth, seventh grade. Uh, one of my older brothers had taken me with some of his buddies. And I don't, I don't want to say I was hooked at that point, but it, it definitely had my interest. Were you hunting anything else at the time? Um, no, I was not. Um, them guys at the time, they had, I'm trying to remember back, that's quite some time ago. Uh, they had uh, walker dogs and I think uh, a couple blue dogs in the mix that night. Okay, now give me the town that you were from there, Gordy. I grew up in a little German community called Glandorf. It was named after uh, Glandorf, Germany. I see. So that I didn't realize, but with your name is obviously German. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know you like uh, beer. <laughs> yep, that's, that's a fact. And Germans <laughs> are known for liking yeah. beer, right? Yeah, for sure. That's right. Well, I tell you what, um, that's some, some good hunting up there. What county is that? That was uh, Putnam County. Putnam, yeah. Okay. All right. Now, my experience up that way, and this is about you, not about me, but... Just kind of as a point of reference, we had a couple of world hunts up there in in Northwest Ohio while I was with UKC. We had one at Van Wert that I believe Duke Prue from out in Connecticut ended up uh, winning that with that tricolor tom-tom dog. And then we had one in Lima, Ohio, and that's when Tony Daviduck won it with the uh, uh, Joey female. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, how far are you from from those areas? Well, actually, I'm about let's see, twenty minutes, probably twenty minutes to a half hour north of Lima, and twenty minutes to a half hour uh, east of Van Wert. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had some great world hunts up there. Treated a lot of coon. Uh, that hunting up there is primarily though the the land is is laid out in. Is it mile sections or two mile sections or most of them, most of them are mile squares? Yeah, yeah, with a patch of woods in in that with, square, mm-hmm. with a patch or two, not not too many, not you know, not a whole lot. And mm-hmm. usually the patches range from anywhere from ten to hundred acres. You know, it's yeah. probably about max. There may be a few sections bigger than that, but uh, not not a whole lot. Mostly grow corn and beans up there. Corn, beans, wheat. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, there's always, you know, that's such great hunting, but uh, I, I worry about these uh, long ranging dogs that we have nowadays for some of them about them getting out of the section. How, how big a problem is that up there? That, you know, that, that is a big problem. Uh, it's, uh, it really is. I had, I was up there, let's see. Uh, it's probably been a couple of years ago, and I was hunting with my buddy Mark Warnicky up there. He's he's a plot, fellow plot guy too, and he actually we were hunting. I had banana up there, and um, he was hunting to his my younger plot, and he had another nice female that he was hunting. And uh, matter of fact, they both got hit on the road that night. We were mm-hmm. hunting. Man, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a 
rough one. Well, it is. And I hunted in similar territory in Michigan, but it didn't seem that the coon were too bad about crossing out of the sections and going, you know, into another section. Maybe we just had a denser uh, population. I don't know. But I, in the years that I lived in Michigan, which I think was about 22 years, I only had one dog killed on the road. Well, actually, I was along on hunts when two others were killed. But, uh, yeah, that that's always a heartbreaker. That's definitely definitely the truth there. And a lot of times these sections up there, they'll have a fence line running out of them. So if mm-hmm. there's nothing right there, little patch of woods they're hunting, they're going to follow that fence line out, you know, and it goes right to a road. Yeah, for sure. Man, I wish that we could have a national campaign (laughs) that people that you could see on TV every week or every day that when you're out driving at night and you see lights around the highway or anything, please slow down. You know, so many drivers, and you've been there, Gordy, I'm sure, uh, you know, they'll, as they go by a parked vehicle or something, they'll actually speed up. You know, sure. it's like, I don't know if they're afraid, afraid uh, of the, the, they're going to be stopped or what, but it's a tendency of these drivers in a lot of cases to speed up when they. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't talk about that much, or I haven't on the podcast, but that's uh, one of the dangers of, of hunting dogs for sure. I, oh, you know, yeah. and sometimes it's our own fault. I, uh, my good friend John Cripe, who was a plot guy and who uh, I hunted with when I first moved to Michigan, he later moved to Idaho. But he and I went coon hunting one night in the wintertime up there, and we shouldn't have been coon hunting. It was much too cold. The temperature was down around zero. The snow, uh, you know, the roads were plowed and the snow banks were high on either side, and they were. Uh, frozen snow, you know, and really the dogs, when they broke out of the woods, they had virtually nowhere to go, but down the road, you know, uh, and, um, anyway, we left two dogs out that night. That was before the days of tracking collars and, um, uh, about dawn, I, you know, I'd planned to get back up and go out and he lived closer. So he said he'd go out earlier than I planned and got a phone call. Lady on the phone said, I have your dog. And I said, well, that's great. And uh, I said, there were three dogs together. Do you just have one? And and she said, yes. Unfortunately, the other two have been hit uh, by cars on the road. Well, I had two. I had a dark brindle female, a young dog. And I had Bronco, who was a medium brindle colored dog. And, you know, he was my boy. And uh, it it took me a minute to get up the nerve to ask her, you know, which dog do you have? Is he brown colored, or is he look, or does is is it a male that's brown, or is it a female that looks like a lab that's blacker? And she said, "Well, the one I have is the male that's the brown dog," and I, mm. so I knew that that Bronco was okay, but those other two dogs have been killed, and one was. Uh, John Cripe's pride and joy, a dog called Grapevine Hank, about six years old, a Von Plot bred dog that he really liked. 
And, of course, the female was fly, a young one that was out of Bronco, and my blackie female that I had. You always hate to lose one, you know. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. And we had a guy lose a female on a cast. All the casts that I judged and guided up those years up there only had one time that a dog got, got hit. And I don't know what where this gal decided. She just blew behind us and went out of the section. And got hit, you know. So anyway, that's a rabbit path we got down, and I, I guess I really didn't mean to, but man, it it's uh, good advice to anybody out there to be careful where you turn these dogs loose. Yeah, definitely put a, a blinking collars on it. Don't it don't help all the time, but it definitely you know helps. I mean, I mean when me and Mark were hunting up there, uh, he had flashing collars on you know both his dogs, and it, it didn't make any difference. You yeah, know, but, yeah. I think the the Garmin, you know, the, where you can turn the the light on and off from your handheld, is a definite plus for things like that. Sure. But sure. if the drivers don't want to slow down, you know, and use caution when they see something like that, I I can't imagine what a driver would be thinking to that want to hit a light that was out there. That would tell me right away yeah, that's either know. a person or or an animal, you know, but. I guess we don't think like everybody else. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so your first experience coon hunting? Did you treat coon? Actually, uh, no, no, we okay. didn't. Didn't treat. Um, uh, all I can really remember, I, I can't remember how old I was. Uh, too much. I was pretty young, but, um, but anyway, I'll, I can remember uh, crossing the, uh, I think, Allglaze River on a log, and I just okay. I remember. That going to the dog <laughs> the river bottom and uh but i mean it was it really intrigued me and i it just you know kind yeah. of from that point on is you know i right. and actually wasn't too long after that we ended up getting a dog so was that you uh, and your brothers or a cousin uh, or actually, what? No, actually my dad oh uh, i see mm-hmm. yeah it was a blue as a blue tick we called squirt a little female mm-hmm. and uh not a bad little dog so well she was a great dog if she could get you and your dad out together doing something together, right? Well, your dad was never much of a coon hunter, was he? No, you know, dad was always too busy. You know, yeah. he, he, I mean, we had, you know, 10 kids and he worked and, uh, you know, he, he was, you know, too busy to sure. really too busy to do anything else. Well, you know, you Germans took the Bible uh, at, at uh, face value when it said be fruitful and multiply because our friend jerry mall you know that just retired from pkc he and his wife brenda are each from families of 13 children and in fact wow. they are each the baby of the family i thought that's that was something. an amazing story but yeah uh, yeah that's great that's yeah one, great. Of, one of my other friends up there he come from a family of 16 kids mm. Well, that that's great. Those big families, man. What a what a a joy that is. You know, my brother. You've been, you know, Randy, my brother, and and we've been over up to Randy's and stayed over and all. But he and I are the only ones. And then he has two daughters, and I have one son. So, you know, yeah. The the amazing thing of it all is we, at least as far as my family is concerned, is we all get along. That's great. 
That yeah. is yeah. terrific. Yeah. And I think Jerry would say the same thing about his large family. And I come from those kind of roots, not German, but my mother and dad both were from families of nine. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. That's great. Well, wh- how did you progress along? Did you, When did you get your own doll? Well, you said your dad and you got this blue tick female, right? Right, right. Uh-huh. Did you? Ended- Go ahead. Actually, one of my dad's friends uh, had a walker at the time, had a walker male, nice walker male. So they made a cross. They crossed that blue dog with a, that walker dog. You know, that's mm-hmm. back, you know. Yeah. Before the way, X-Bread. <laughs> yeah, X-Bread dog. But we we had sold all them puppies, and we ended up getting one back from a guy, and uh, we named him Spike. And I'll tell you, that that dog is what set me on, set me kind of set me on fire as far as coon hunting went, because mm-hmm. he was a coon treeing machine. <laughs> and uh, that, I mean, I'm serious. He just, he was something else. Well, back and, uh, back in that day, were high prices were in pretty good, uh, pretty good shape, weren't they? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you bring a forty dollar coon, real simple, you know. Is it? Uh, it was something else back then, you know. That's uh, you know, back in like oh, like say my grade school days, uh, you know, I made some money trapping and coon hunting that type of thing. So you know, it was all good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about that on this podcast about how when there was a value to that fur, it just kind of really, well, a lot more people were involved for one thing, but it just kind of put a value stamp on, on the sport. You know, mm-hmm. um, guys would, would, uh, it was kind of funny though. There were a certain number of pleasure hunters or hide hunters, we call them that, would buy a dog before the season, hunt it through the season, and then sell it when the season was over and be looking for another one the following fall, you know. Right. But for me, it was part. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off. I remember when I, you know, probably younger than that, my one uncle had a plot. And uh, I remember I was over, I was over there and I seen that, I seen that dog in the barn and I thought, boy, what a beautiful dog, you know. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of, kind of stuck with me, you know, through yeah. the years, never had the opportunity of getting one back then because, uh, in our area there, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there's a few guys that bear hunt and stuff, but you didn't hear of anybody coon hunting them, mm. you know? And then, um, in the, I don't know, mid late eighties, um, John and Kirk got Sarge, John Otto, Kirk Cyber got Sarge. And that kind of, uh, kind of set me on a path after that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, let's talk about him just a minute to just fill in our listeners about who uh, you're talking about there. Uh, there was a, a, a famous uh, litter of, of stud dogs uh, that came uh, out of a dog called uh, Kansas Joe Boy that was owned by Jim Cannon out in Kansas and Spud Reynolds, also from Kansas. I, I think Spud co-owned... Uh, Joe Boy, I, I may be wrong on that. I, I know Jim I, did for sure, and and Charlie Shortridge of Indiana had a female named Queen, and she was quite a competitor. As was Joe Boy. I think Joe Boy, I think Jim told me one time that Joe Boy was in the made it to the finals. I won't say he was in the final four, but he made it to the finals of the World Hunt. I think five times, but uh, they were. Uh, 
they made that cross between Joe Boy and Queen, and that's what produced this uh, Cybert and Otto Sarge. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Roy Howell's Saber dog was from that cross, a Grand Knight champion dog. And then perhaps the most famous dog of recent times in the prop breed was Kansas Sizzling Heat, who won the 1988 UKC World Championship. So when you're talking hunting with uh, Sarge, I got to hunt with old Sarge at Plot Days <laughs> one year, and all he was quite a well-known dog. So uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Gordy, but I just kind of wanted to set the background on that so folks who know when you talk about Kurt and John and the Sarge dog, they were they were a big smoke back in that day. Oh, yeah, sure. For sure. Well, I bought a puppy. I can't remember what year it was. It was in the... Mid, I'm going to say 86, 87, 88, that range. John and Kurt had a litter of puppies. They weren't out of Sarge. I honestly can't remember. But I do know they were they were great. Like the grandsire was Joe Boy and the grandmother was Queen. Yeah. And that pup I bought was a, he was a coon dog now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I guess, caught in my young and dumb stage and really didn't realize what I had at the time. But uh, that dog was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you and I met, like I say, I'd seen your name in the plot columns and things like that. And when I moved down here to Florida, who who contacted who? I don't, I can't remember how we got together I down actually, there. Do you? I actually contacted uh, you through Bill Slaughter. Yeah, our mutual friend Bill, and of course Pam, yep. his wife. And yep. Pam was the secretary for many years of the Plot Association. And Bill and Pam provided the fellowship dinner on Wednesday night leading up to plot days for many years. And uh, Bill is still, for those of you out there that are interested, Bill and Pam are still kicking. Pam's had a few health issues here uh, back over the last few months. She ended up having some heart problems. And uh, she's, I think, getting along fine now. Uh, Bill as well. But they're not hunting much anymore. I think Bill still has a couple of dogs. But, yeah, Bill and I go back all the way to the days when I first came down here uh, to Florida uh, and uh, was going to college in Lakeland and in the 60s. And Bill and I knew a guy named John Miller. And uh, John was quite the coon hunter, and he preferred plots, and so naturally— I looked him up, and but anyway, Bill is a longtime friend of us both. So, so Bill told you I was down here, huh? Yep. Yeah, and that's a matter of fact. That's the time I was hunting that plot, uh, Emma. Yes, uh, Emma uh-huh. dog I had. Yeah, Emma yep. was a nice dog. In fact, I think there's still a video of Emma and old Hoss tree, and it's on the plot dogs online facebook page mm-hmm. and uh we tried to get a litter of pups out of hoss and emma a couple times didn't we yes we did it just didn't work it wasn't hoss's fault <laughs> well i don't know if that's true or not i actually only bred him uh three times and that was twice to emma and once to uh to the uh, guma female of amanda alexander's but uh, yeah uh, unfortunately emma passed uh she got what was she got a uterine infection didn't she uterine infection 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. So. Nice tree dog. Yep. She was, wasn't she uh, Bayou bred? Or no, actually, Lexi? she was. Uh, I got to think here. Kyle Emery's rock dog and Bill Harrell's. Uh, shoot, just drew a blank on it. Um, well, I know uh, the I female got, you're you're thinking she, about, but I can't think of her Harrell's, name. Harold's Penny. Penny. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 That uh, rock dog was a redwood bred dog, I believe. Right. Right. Yeah. From our friends. Uh, yeah, she nice little dog. Boy, she was a gritty, gritty thing. Yeah. Nice tree yeah. dog too. I remember that. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Well, um, so we started hunting some, and uh, I know that uh, I, it's a good time for us to just kind of talk about what hunting's like down here. I've kind of touched on that before in podcasts. I can't remember which one, but okay let me lead this off and you jump in and add because you've got a, a broader i think broader scope on some of this hunting than i do especially this stuff up in around the ocala national forest and in that area um i started coon hunting in florida hunting on ranches um, as i mentioned john miller was a guy that I went over around Tampa. I was in school in Lakeland. I went to the Tampa area and went hunting with John, and he hunted on some ranches north of town, like up Highway 301 or Interstate 75, which when I started hunting, I don't think 75 was even there. Uh, but at any rate, big cattle ranch. Pardon? I said, you are old. <laughs> older and dirt i was there when noah let the first two plot dogs off the ark did you know that and they were both brindle there wasn't a buckskin in the bunch <laughs> i'm just kidding i have to dig my my guys that like the buckskin dogs anyway no i uh i hunted on those ranches and back then we just basically would pull in the vehicle up to uh a bay head. How would you describe a bay head, uh, Gordy? Uh, well, to me, it's just a bunch of a bunch of cypress trees and a pond of water out in the middle of nowhere. That's <laughs> you know when I actually looked up a bay head, they talk about them being on higher ground. Well, sometime over time, maybe they were higher than the deep swamps around or something. I don't know, but. To me, here's what a bayhead reminds me of. It reminds me of hunting in the Midwest where you have those patches of woods that we talked about out in the middle of, you know, surrounded by corn or bean fields or whatever. Uh -huh. But instead of being nice flat woods with big oak timber and hardwoods and fairly open and all, these things, are, as you said, they're, you know, you're going to get wet when you go in one. Uh, usually, unless, you know, you pull your, your waders up pretty high. Uh, you're going to walk in there, I am, with a walking stick because uh, uh, there's usually some things out there that want to eat me and my pup. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I remember a night, I mean, you took a walk. Uh, do you remember that? Well, the, the one or not, that so, deep water. That deep water, well, uh, actually cruise. 
cruise was treed in there about a hundred, I'd say between a hundred and 130 yards. Yeah. And, uh, it's when he was pretty young. Yeah. And I was trying to talk Yada going in there getting him. Oh yeah. 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 I, I remember that. Time. Actually, he was farther in than that. He got way back in there. In fact, I walked a pretty good ways back there and it was, you know, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go get my dog. Here I go. Heidi ho. And <laughs> it was a, it was an hour in and an hour out. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. And I never did get totally to him, but, uh, yeah, it's well. And that one time we drove around, remember, I, I think we had a video on that where he was tree. Maybe that was the time you're thinking about, but I know one time back there when people started either shooting a, a firearm or fireworks at us. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was a area yeah I remember yeah that, that was it that was yeah okay yeah i got i i remember the time you're talking about yeah yeah but it's an adventure down here isn't it never a dull moment never <laughs> a dull moment. well you hunt uh like i did in michigan i used to hunt by myself all the time but you hunt by yourself quite a bit don't you yeah i, I actually enjoyed it you know i i, I kind of always did i just especially i guess especially when i'm starting a young dog and if i'm kind of gearing one towards competition because i i can i don't hear as good as i used to and i gotta i can tune my ears then so to speak and uh it just it's just something that i do you know and enjoy. yeah well i think um i used to kind of do a little bit of self-analysis you know and say steve uh you know there's a lot of people you could call tonight and go hunting with, and that'd be the sociable thing to do. Now that's when I lived in Michigan. I'm I'm not yeah. talking about down here, although I do know several people that I could go with. But sure. uh, up there, and I used to, uh, and then I would like you. I'd say, well, I've got this young dog, and I need to single him out, and and you know, right. and, and see how he's operating. And, when I first went up there and they were there were those twenty and thirty dollar coon, I got a little selfish. You know, I said, I don't wanna I don't wanna share these hides. <laughs> I wanna go skin them yeah. and sell them, you know. Yeah. I never was a hide hunter, but I enjoyed that aspect of hunting a lot. You know, yeah. of of taking the fur, skinning it out, bringing it home, put it in a freezer, later on take it to the fur dealer, you know. Mm-hmm. But sure. uh well, can you think of any particularly crazy hunts that you had out there in these Florida swamps uh, since you've been um, down here? Trying to think here. Well, you remember our buddy Bob Frazier. Oh yeah. And uh, well, Bob's still done pretty well. I uh, talked to him uh, at least eh, once a week, every other week, something like that. But I think he might have been along that night when uh, trying to think if it was Hoss and can't remember Bob Dog Bob Candy. Dog's name. Candy. Candy, and we had Nana, and they treed that in the swamp there, and we went in there, and uh, everybody, and I still don't know how this happened, but um, I, everybody was kind of standing back, and I was getting ready to shoot that coon out, and I said, everybody clear? And everybody <laughs> said, yeah, and I shot and I come rolled out of there and landed right on old Bob's head. How did that happen? You know, I couldn't believe that because he was standing way out from the tree. You know, we put him out there, you know. (laughs) It's almost like you placed the ball on the pool pool table. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what 
Yeah, that was a crazy deal, and and I think you know it, it, he's lucky it didn't break his neck. Man, you know, you, I, I think it I, did make him pretty sore. Bob, for, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I mean I honestly don't know if he when I said if everybody was ready, if he was walking back towards the tree, or you know when I shot, if that coon might have jumped. I, I mean I honestly don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. Well, you couldn't have planned it. <laughs> you know that no. way <laughs> there's no way well bob is um in his 80s now isn't he yeah he's actually turned 87 in december i'll be you know he's a great guy to hunt with uh, i used to go by and pick him up but it's difficult as you get older to drive at night sure and sure. uh so i'd go up oh or down to his place. He wintered here in Florida and, and originally from Ohio. Was that uh, close to the area where you grew up, Gordy, where he lives? Uh, he, well, he lived about, let me think, oh, an hour and a half south of me. Okay, yeah, yeah. About the same as here, actually. You know, when I'd go mm-hmm. pick him up, it would take a good hour and a half, right. hour and 45 minutes to go get him, yeah. Well, our plot listeners will remember Bob Frazier. He's always had a good dog. Uh, he made a point to have a good dog, I think, down through the years. And it didn't have to be a plot, but he preferred plots. And uh, it was great to go. I'd go and pick him up, and then we'd drive up and meet you uh, up at a farm there that originally Bob had that lined out. And uh, But I think you've kind of inherited it since Bob is yeah. no longer yeah. coming back down this way. But it's a great uh, – it's private land where – most of our hunting down here uh, is on public land, if, if you can find it. Right, right. Yeah, it's actually kind of rare to have public land or um, private land to hunt. It, yeah. it really is. It's just yeah. kind of been a, a blessing to me because if I didn't have it, I, um, I mean, I'd probably, I'd probably be doing something else. Sure. Fishing, I guess. Well, if yeah. I would admit if I were younger and I was out and able to hunt like you are, uh, you know, I would get out and try to find those kind of places myself. I have evolved in my hunting experience to the point that I just enjoy going with other people. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, of course, I love to have a dog along, and, and most of the time I do. Uh, right now I don't have a dog here, uh, but I've got uh, my hands on uh, three <laughs> right now, sure. long distance. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – well, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, you've been pretty successful uh, in the plot breed. I know we're the smallest breed as far, well, I guess the leopard dogs, or leopard hounds would be smaller in numbers than the plots since they're the newest in the registry. But before the leopards, the plots were the fewest in number among the six original breeds. And, uh, but we've always had kind of a tight community within the plot breed. Uh, I wanted, you know, in this conversation, I kind of like to, uh, open some things up and talk about a few things and, and just, I want to, I want to pick your brain a little bit, Gordy, about some of the things that you, uh, like and what you see where the plot breed's going, maybe some things that you don't like or, and talk about the associations and just different things. And we'll kind of, uh, you know, we're plot guys and we've got the microphone so we can talk about plots here for the next uh, 
next few minutes if you want to. But sure. Uh, sure. when did you get your first plot? My first plot would have been around 1987. Okay. All right. I was uh, firmly uh, entrenched in the uh, field office at UKC at that time. Uh, okay. So, of course, I had plots myself. I think it was in 1986 that I was fortunate to win the all-plot hunt at Langsburg, Michigan at Plot Days with a with dog called Bronco. But uh, tell me about that first plot. He, I called him a Trader's Black Mac. He was, I can't remember, the sire was out of Michigan. I actually bought him off Kurt and John. And I can't remember. They had a female there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went over, I bought that pup. And Mark Warnicky, my hunting buddy, he had bought another pup. And I called mine Mac. And, uh, but anyway, you know, that dog was one of the gamiest, gamiest dogs I ever experienced to this day. Um, he, he was something else. He, he was one of them. He'd run, I guess you'd call him an all-purpose dog, you know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, Combination anyway, dog, they used combination to call him. dog. <laughs> yeah, I would say he was, he was trashy. There's no doubt about it. But he was, he was one heck of a coon dog, too. And, you know, I had an issue with that dog um, only, like, when the deer were rutting. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was the buck. But if the bucks would come in and challenge, you know, sometimes challenge a dog or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when them, when them deer would rut, that dog would go crazy. And I could not break him on deer. And, uh, matter of fact, that dog, <clears throat> that dog caught two deer, whether you want to believe it or not. Oh yeah. And took and took him to the ground. But um yeah, I just couldn't break him. But he I mean he was a good dog. He was fun. I mean, for a young guy that uh starting out and you know, it just that was kind of before competition mm-hmm. things like that. Did so, you have a uh what we commonly call a shock collar when you were trying yes, to break we did. him? Yeah, and that didn't Oh, yeah. oh, oh no. Yeah. No, Ride, riding the lightning wasn't the cure then. <laughs> no, no, he he'd go end over end and get right back up and take off and wow. uh you get to the edge of the woods and jump on a tree you know mm. he, yeah he hard knew. to beat in competition <laughs> oh yeah he was tough yeah for sure yeah, yeah for sure okay so that's 97 did you keep him long or did you breed him i, or? I had I never bred him i had him see that was an 87 mm-hmm. i got i won uh let me think 87 89 i ended up getting the second Second and seventh place, I think it was at the Ohio State Championship mm. in '89 with him. Um, yeah, yeah, 89. that's strong. Yeah, yeah, that was good. But after that, I ended up selling him to a couple younger guys that were looking good, looking to get into competition, and it just never, never materialized with them guys. I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, it yeah. never does. You know, I mean, I've been talking with a younger fella. Uh, and you know his desire he really really wants to get in competition and he really wants to win and he really wants to you know take it to the top and i'm trying to counsel him trying to tell him things i'm i'm going to take a little uh, break right here from what we're talking about and interject something here you know okay. there are several podcasts out there now uh, about tree dogs and about coon hunting and so forth. 
you know, I, uh, Chris Powell and I started the Houndsman XP podcast, and then he brought on uh, Josh Michaelis, who's very knowledgeable competition hunter, and uh, they have some some really good. Uh, uh, Josh especially has some really good uh, podcasts out there. And then a young fellow named Tyler Duncan down in Lower Mississippi. He uh, uh, works on the oil rigs and somehow finds time to produce the Coon Hunting University podcast. And he just had on as a guest this week that we're recording this, Kevin Cable. Uh, people will know Kevin Cable as oh, yeah. owning the big money dog, the little money dog, the money in the bank dog that won the PKC World Hunt. And, uh, you know, the, these are uh, Kevin gave an amazing interview to uh, Tyler Duncan and to Eddie Simmons. Eddie's a longtime friend, uh, worked with the PKC organization for quite a while. But anyway, the questions were, were good. The answers from Kevin were straightforward. Uh, and I would advise any young person that's thinking about competition hunting or new person, let's put it that way, and wants to get into the game and wants to hear a real, honest, straightforward commentary on coon hunting uh, in competition to go and listen to the episode with Kevin Cable on Coon Hunting University. Now, there's a plug. I'm going to have to get in touch with uh, Tyler Duncan and see what he's willing to give me for that. Or... <laughs> Or will he give me a like plug somewhere down the road? But no, seriously, uh, it was very, very good, and it 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 it, it sh should be helpful to anybody that's contemplating getting in uh, to competition hunting. But um, uh, and and just to know that that what we we discussed this the other day with Sid Underwood about the fact that on a given night, any dog can win in competition. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, you know, okay, I've kind of got ahead of myself here. You're, you're fine. I My, want, I, I, go ahead. If you're talking about competition and for a young person yeah, or anybody, you know, that's getting into it, um, the best advice I can give is, it's one of the reasons I hunt by myself, is get to know that dog. And, Absolutely. The dog will actually tell the dog will actually tell you what it's doing. You know, you just gotta learn and learn it and listen. And don't the dog will tell you. That's right. We can't preach it enough. Put the garment in your pocket. Yep. Use it yep. you know, to see if the dog's getting in trouble somewhere. Then put it up and listen to the dog. You don't need to see every little circle that he makes on that no. screen. Listen Absolutely. to him. Let his voice telegraph back to you what he's doing because that's going to be the difference. It is the difference between a good I, dog you know, man. I kind of think, I mean, I'm not bragging on myself, but I kind of think that's was some of my success with Banana was that, you know, I'm in, I'm in these hunts and I'm, you know, I'm listening and I'm not staring at my garment. And, you know, I'm, I'm listening and using Using my God-given, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, those uh, two receptors on either side sure. of your head. Right, yeah, right. and then the experience of being out with the dog 
uh, during the week. You know, Jerry Maul, I always quote Jerry Maul. Jerry and I worked together at AKC. Uh, he was active at PKC when I was there, and, and I can't say enough good about Jerry. I, I really have the highest respect for him, but, you know, he used to say it's not the will to win, it's the will to prepare to win. And, of course, uh -huh. I think he was borrowing that quote maybe from Vince Lombardi or somewhere, someone, but still, it's it's but very true. Apply. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, okay, well, let, since you, you opened the door to talk about uh, – this hound of yours that you call banana Bayou banana. I always like that name, but I know yeah. that before we get into the banana story, and that's a very important part of this podcast. Uh, tell me about any dogs that you had leading up then to before you got her. Well, before I got, before I got banana, um, I had Emma down here. I had mm -hmm. so just prior to moving down here, I've been down here what about eleven years now. Prior to moving down here, I had a couple pretty decent plots, and I ended up selling them before I moved down here, um, just because I didn't have a place to hunt and I didn't know know of anything. So I sold them before I moved. Um, so then I ended up buying a puppy up in Georgia. Um, oh, Angus, you remember Angus? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he never, you know, he would tree a coon. Um, but he just didn't have the, I don't want to say he didn't have the go, but he'd tree a coon and he'd go, you know, well, that's enough for me. I'll go stand on the tailgate, you know, and uh, <laughs> just kind of yeah. go goon. Yeah, beautiful hound. Yeah, he was beautiful. Yeah, go big, goon. strong boy. Yeah. Yeah. So then I think after him, well, I had Emma. Actually, I did have him and Emma at the same time. And then, well, after Emma had, uh, had to have her put down i got i think it was about within a week i got on that ukc board and i seen this advertisement uh i think he actually said banana isn't or has not been hunted or getting hunted and he's for sale so i contacted the guy and we got talking a little bit i said boy i don't know if she's worth taking a chance on or not so actually bob frazier um knew a guy out there that might have hunted with her or been with her and so I contacted that guy and I said, is she worth taking a chance on? He said, yes, absolutely. So I ended up getting her, had her shipped here. And uh, that's, that's a story in itself, too. <laughs> well, let's hear it. Well, I never told my wife that that dog was coming. And, uh, <laughs> How many coon hunters out there? Raise your hand. <laughs> Got a dog without telling your wife it was coming. Oh, man, uh, hands everywhere. I see those yeah. hands. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, the, the hauler showed up. I think it was about two or three o'clock in the morning. She says, Who's out there? Oh, I said, I didn't tell you. I'm getting a dog delivered. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> I, I thought the roof was going to come off the house. But anyway, um, it's all good now. And uh, <laughs> hey, I think, I think Joyce is as proud of bananas you are. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know she is. <laughs> Actually, you know, she's proud of she's proud of all these dogs. I bring a dog home, and it's like I get a little bit of grief, but overall, it's been, yeah, <laughs> it's right. pretty darn good. Yeah. So anyway, so I, yeah, and I remember all this because you were telling me, you know, as you, uh, you know, when you were, I guess, thinking about getting her and and all that. So yeah, it's a good story. Let's hear it all. So I ended up I ended up getting her shipped down here, and I started actually me and Bob Frazier. 
uh, we started hunting her and stuff. And, you know, in the beginning, I, I really didn't like, um, I didn't like her. I just didn't like her hunt style and stuff. And, and then I called the guy back in Illinois. I said, you know what? I said, I might ship her back. I said, it's just not, she's just not panning out the way I like. And, uh, so me and him talked. He said, well, he said, we kind of cut a deal. He said, just keep her. So I did. And it just seemed like after that, Steve, she just started to click. Right. She just and, needed uh, a little time. She needs she needed was a little more time. Probably. Yeah. Could be. Could Seriously. Be. I mean, we kid about these things. And for the life of me, I, I see some of these high dollar dogs that just get passed around here and there. But then when you talk about uh, the talk with somebody like uh, Jason Darty and, 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 you know, he will say to you, uh, you know, these dogs, you got to spend some time with them. You know, they got to get Absolutely. used to you and all that. And I think a lot of people miss the, you know, the, the point of, of doing that. Yeah. And I think, you know, these plots, I mean, and even in any other breed, some of them start early and some of them just, they mature at a little slower pace and they mm-hmm. progress gradually, you know, and right. to me that's better, but. Yeah, it is. If you got the patience and all, let them yeah, you, progress at yeah. their own speed and let it all be natural instead of yeah, forced, I mean, you know. You know, with, with modern technology and, you know, with Facebook and stuff like that, it's it's hard for guys to understand, you know, when they're seeing a litter mate puppy out there, you know, doing its own thing at six, seven, eight months old, you know, it's hard, it's hard for them to have patience. And I, and I understand that, but... Um, you just you just got to wait it out, and most yeah. times it'll it'll come out in your favor. Right. Well, at what yeah. point, or do you remember a story or anything about you know when she started looking looking better to you, and you thought maybe? Well, I don't think you had. Uh, I'm not going to spoil the story end because I I want you to tell the listeners everything about Banana. Well, but at first, when yeah. she was a, a young dog, uh, you know. Just, just tell me about how she developed. Well, when I first got her, I, I really didn't like uh, the way she was hunting out, you know, by herself. Just, I mean, she'd go and meander, you know, just one of them things. And um, so over time, I started, actually, I was kind of getting on her, you know, about getting on her a little more about things. And um, it was setting her backwards. Don't worry about that pup back there. That's one of those oh, yeah. banana pups, I know. <laughs> that's actually a, that's actually banana's granddaughter out of bed oh, but i get you yeah, okay yeah but uh so i was you know i was getting starting to get a little hard on her and, and actually it was setting her back mm-hmm. so i was just i don't know i was laying in bed one night thinking about it and i said well, what can what can i do different you know and then and then, i don't know like a bell went off in my head i just it just said start praising her you know whatever she does just you know she never really made any you know, when she treated, she'd have a coon, you know, but it was just uh, kind of the hunting issue. And um, so from that point on, like, even when I, you know, I put her in the box, I praise her getting her up in there, um, praise her getting her out. And it's just like it started sinking into her, what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and after a period of time, you know, after a period of time, she just started doing what she needed to do. She figured it out. What made me happy, you know, sounds kind of weird, but. It, 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 that's actually that's actually a true story. Well, we talk about that over, over the last couple of years, or I have, or been part of conversations 
where we talk about that, that these dogs really do want to please us. If they like us, they bond with us. You know, they, they do. They, they, that's what they, uh, well, you know, I, I've always thought the plot dog, you know, hunts to catch. He wants the game, <laughs> you know, that's, sure. that's job one, but they also, uh, do bond with us. They're a little different than other breeds. Sometimes they can be kind of more of a one man or one woman dog. Uh, you know, I've seen some plot females and had some that could be a little pouty and moody at times, uh, you know, and, uh, and all, but they, they do have personality plot dogs. Uh, you know, they're, they're a lot alike, but they're also individuals. If you spend any time with them, you know, and, uh, intelligent and, uh, you know, it's just correct. Yeah, they're just they're they're a, they're a breed apart. Well, they are. They are. I think that's another uh, uh, breed's uh, slogan. I think, but uh, I think it definitely applies. Excuse me, to the plot dog. And uh, you know, I've told people many times that old hoss dog I had was the smartest dog I ever fooled with, and I fooled with mm-hmm. a few. And, uh, you know, and they do, they have exceptional intelligence. Okay. So you started, uh, tell me how you hunted, uh, Nana, we call her and you know, how she began to develop, develop. And then when you started putting her in the hunts and all, how'd that go? Well, actually about a month, I'd say a month, two months after that, uh, time frame, um, you know, me and Bob were hunting about three nights a week together, but, um, she just started clicking, you know, consistently training coon. And I'm, I'm not talking just like off feeder buckets or anything like that. I mean, she was getting in through them swamps, you know, in, in some deep water and getting treed and having, you know, them coons on them big cypress trees. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I took her to a hunt. I'm trying to remember the first time I put her, in, I think it was up in Providence, Florida. Um, that was on a Friday night. I ended up, ended up getting beat. Um, it wasn't anything she did wrong uh, or I did wrong. She just got beat. And I thought, you know, to myself, I thought, you know, this dog can compete. So I think a week or two later was the, the Georgia State hunt. And I think that was probably the first, I guess you'd call it major hunt that I had her in. And she ended up winning, um, winning the registered. And I got in the final four that night and um, ended up third overall that night. So, yeah, that worked out. And that was kind of the beginning of her career. So basically, her second night hunt, she ends up in the final four at the Georgia State and right, ends up third right. overall. That's a pretty good start. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. And then we went, I'm trying to think if it was plot. Well, no, there was one other. No, it was plot date in 20, 2016. And I ended up getting the uh, Isaiah Kid Award opposite set. You had a good had- chauffeur on that trip, as I recall. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was a trip you and I took together, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that was great seeing you there at the picture session that uh, late on Saturday night, getting pictures taken with the big trophy and and all that. And we said, "Wow!" But I I think did okay. So. She won the Isaiah Kid before she did these other state championships. Yes, um, and then yeah, 
Okay, let me explain real quick what the Isaiah Kidd Award is. I think I may have on this other, probably should have you to do it, uh, Gordy, but it's basically, it's a three-night hunt at Plot Days. Thursday night is strictly for plots, and in recent years they have an RQE that's plots only, and they have an all-plot hunt. I believe you hunted in the RQE, didn't you, Gordy? RQE, yeah, she Uh got qualified there on Thursday night. Right. Friday night, she won her cast, and she won her cast on Saturday night. So she won her cast three nights, just didn't have quite enough score to be the overall winner. Right. But she did get the opposite sex. Yeah, we were just talking about that uh, with Heath Hyatt and how he and I got to be friends back in uh, 97 when he won the overall with Brandy. And I won the opposite sex with Wrangler, but uh, that's an honor. I mean, when you're within your own breed, when you go to your breed days, okay, and you win like that. And I'm not talking about my wins, but what when you went and you won your cast all three nights, and you uh, won the opposite sex out of all the plot females that were there. That's an honor. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's something to shoot for. It used to be like my world hunt because when I worked at UKC, you know, I could not hunt in the UKC licensed events, but I could hunt on Thursday night in the all plot hunt because it was not a UKC license. Although you had to have a registered dog to hunt there. So that's how I got to hunt in the, the all plot hunt and play several times and, and did get to win it. So I know what it feels like to win that. That's a, that's a great honor. So then where'd you go from plot days? Oh, boy, I got to hit my memory bank here. Um, I think, oh, actually, I think I'm trying to remember. 2017 was the Grand American. 20, well, I just, think it was just, 2016 yeah. was Autumn Oaks. Mm-hmm. So you and got high score and plotted Autumn Oaks, or how'd that work? Yeah, she got, actually, yeah, she did. I think I think it was 2016. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty positive, but I had bred her for the first time in 2016, and she had just come off them puppies, I think, two weeks, week and a half prior to Autumn Oaks, and then she ended up going and uh, getting high-scoring plot female at Autumn Oaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty salty right there. I know you were out getting a picture taken or something in 2016 at Greencastle. When I was out there, I believe that's right. When I judged the bench oh, show, yeah, yeah. And, and that's 20, what. Yeah, that, that was the 2016 World Hunt. Yes, the World Hunt at Greencastle. Yeah. yeah, that was the year that Randy Smith won it, and Tom Strang with the Biffy Sue female. And that's that's the year that we kind of got to be friends too, and and uh, I've had quite a, a great friendship with Randy, but. Uh, yeah, so let's just go, kind of go down the list because the dates I know get fuzzy with time. But you, okay, what what were some of the hunts that you either won high score and plot or got a breed award or, or whatever? Twenty seventeen, she was uh, the Florida State champion overall. Overall, Florida uh-huh. State champion. Twenty seventeen, she was high scoring plot female at. I think it was the Grand American, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she and she was also qualified for the World Hunt in 2017, but um, we had that hurricane come through, so I couldn't go. We didn't. Right. 
uh, we were out of power here and it just, it just, I couldn't leave, you know, right. it didn't material. So let me think we go to, let's go to 2018. I don't remember the major wins other than, you know, I had her qualified for the world hunt and, um, we got to the zones and she ended up the only plot advancing to the top hundred in 2018. Right. Okay. Now where did Georgia state come in? Georgia state yeah. in 2016. Okay. Did she win the Georgia state overall? Not overall, not Georgia okay. state. Okay. That I was, was thinking that she did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She won the Florida state hunt in 2017. Okay. So at any rate, she, uh, she won most of her, um, events or, or, you know, got most of her titles at major events and didn't she? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, what is it, what is it you like about Nana besides um, she's a winner? Her indie, she's just, well, overall, she's just a good dog to have around, um, you know, around the house or whatever. She's just a good, good natured dog. But as far as the hunting wise of it, um, she's naturally independent and she's, extremely accurate and i think that that's what carried me and her through all these hunts you know over the last few years she's just one of them dogs that she can tree coons a lot of dogs don't even know her there yeah 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 well and now you have bred her what three times three times um four times four times four times okay yep, I bred her. first time you bred her first you? time i bred her to z-bar by you, Amy's Revenge. Um, okay. Kind of lost track of them pups. I had a female that was coming on pretty good, and she ended up uh, passing away. Um, so I, I've lost track of them pups over the years. I do know a couple of them are pretty outstanding bear dogs, mm -hmm. from what I've heard. But a lot of them didn't go to competition hunters. And there was a couple of them that were turning out pretty good, but uh, one of them got shot. and. Uh, Another mm. one come out missing. So, yeah, yeah, the mortality rate was not good for that litter. Then was it? No, not at all. Not at mm. all. So, I, it brings up the question: Is is Brent Zink still uh, active? Is he still hunting? And still I have think pot? he's hunting. Yeah, I yeah. think he's hunting actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I don't not uh, to what scale. I don't know. I mean, pleasure hunting. I had talked to him a while back, but. Uh, um, I think he's just mainly pleasure hunting. I don't yeah. think he's comp, comp hunting anymore. Well, when we talk about Brent, and I, I know that he won the PKC uh, that with the same dog there, Z-Bar, he won one of the divisions of the, of the PKC Super Stakes, which is a huge thing for a plot dog. Uh, looking right. back in history, we mentioned the Siebert and Otto Sarge dog. The Sarge two dog that uh, Kurt had – uh, won the Futurity in, in PKC, which was a huge thing for uh, a plot dog to do back in those days. That was before the Super Stakes days. Uh, I think he won about $40,000 or so in oh, yeah. PKC. Yeah. So, you know, he was a and And so, uh, uh, and then, okay, so what is the next after Z-Bar? What did you breed to? Oh. Um. Bill Harrell's Logan dog. Okay. Bill Harrell, longtime plot breeder from out in Peru, yep. Indiana. Uh, been around plots for a long time. Knew his dad, Joe. 
Bill's had a lot of good dogs down through the years, and uh, that Logan dog is, has done uh, has a very impressive uh, resume. Uh, I think he maybe won that first duels class that they had at Autumn Oaks for a yeah yeah with Becky Church handling him. I think uh, yeah. So Becky's of course uh, she and Don are very very well known in the plot breed. Their Suncrest. Uh, plot dogs. Becky is a big winner in the show rings, and I think those dogs. A lot of their dogs came from the stock of Curtis Walker, uh, West Virginia plots over in, in West Virginia. There, of course, and so anyway, yeah. Well, I kind of have to give you a little comment, running commentary on these plot dogs because yeah. I've been around them for so many years, you know. But yeah, Logan. Well, uh, those puppies are doing pretty good, aren't they? are my ben dog out of that cross is doing excellent um there's a few other ones that are going to be coming on you're going to be saying, seeing their names real soon i'm sure so well the ben uh, dog has has made night champion so far right yeah. mm-hmm. yes he's is he well naturally he'd be qualified for the tournament of champions that's coming up right we're heading there next weekend yeah Think about it. The zones are coming up already. Mm-hmm. I, I want to thank Alan Gingrich and Trevor Wade and Todd Kellum and all the, the staff at UKC for once again inviting me to be an analyst at the Tournament of Champions. I'm looking forward to that very much. And they have a couple other fellows that are going to be on the team this year as well. So I'm going to break it up a little bit and all. But, man, that is a fun, fun hunt. I I had a ball out there last year and, and really can't wait to get back. Oh, uh, I can imagine. Yeah. I like it, that on something else. It is. Everybody that, that went there last year will have to, I'm sure they'll tell you that it was absolutely first class in every way. And so, uh, well, good luck for sure. I'll, no, thank- I'll interject that right now. And uh, I've hunted with Ben, uh, not since he's, you know, got the titles and everything, but he was a a standout young dog, you know, from a very young age. So that was a good cross. Well, then, uh, what did you breed to next? I bred to uh, Chris Rochester's um, Carolina Maximus dog. Yeah, now there's a dog with a resume. He's made um, – has he made the Hall of Fame yet as a Grand Knight? Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah, 50 sl- best wins. How many? 50? <laughs> well, you talk about consistency. That's and in the mountains. In, in the, the mountains. mountains, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. There was a day, but it's not today for me <laughs> to hunt those mountains. Well, yeah. so okay, you bring this. This illustrates a point that I'd like to make for the guys out there. And I, I don't. I mention him a lot, but he's such a good example. Randy Smith up in Pennsylvania with his walkers. Hunts females, keeps females. Then he has a choice of whatever stud dog he wants to breed to. And with frozen semen, you know, the choice is even wider. So here you are with the top winning female. I'm sure there's every plot guy in the world that's got a male dog would love to see you breed Nana to their stud dog. And and so you've kind of taken advantage of that. You know, here you've bred uh, to Z-Bar, who was a very famous plot stud dog. You bred uh, to, uh, uh, 
What's the second one? Uh, Harold's Logan. 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 I didn't mean to yeah. slight you, Bill. Uh, Logan, and then to, to Maximus. And right. uh, how are those pups looking? I know Chad you know, Howard's looking. got one up there, I think, doesn't he? Yeah, I think she's going to be a, he's, she's a firecracker from what I've been hearing. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what her. I was hearing. Um, yeah. I've got one here at the house that I uh, sold to uh, Katie Swales up in Pennsylvania. And so I've been hunting this little dog for her, trying to get her gone. And um, she's definitely going to make a dog, um, no doubt. They're not two years old yet, but uh, she'll definitely make a dog. And uh, the last cross I did was with uh, Saddle Up Lazarus. Last year's plot day's winner. Last year's, yep, and the world hunt winner last year for the plot breed. Right now, you hunted you hunted Lazarus for Bill, in a yeah, I hunted two, him didn't you? Uh, let's see, at the Peach Classic two years ago, he was just a year old then. Right, and you know that dog, we didn't win, but you know that that dog really impressed me. Uh, he's got a motor, you know. He's he really impre- really really impressed me. Well, and, I saw uh, the video that Muncie, uh, not Muncie Outdoors, but Stark Outdoors did uh, on a hunt with uh, Alex Recker that handles uh, Lazarus sure. is your nephew, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Yes, he is. And uh, they, there's a video on there of, of uh, Lazarus, and I was impressed the way he breaks away on the cut, you know, really gets in there. Yeah, that one one time he had crossed two roads. Don't don't recommend that. But he definitely will go hunting. I can see that. And yeah, I I think what you told me, Gordy, more than anything else. Although I highly respect Bill Schillinger, uh, and and trust him, uh, just to a T. But I think what you told me about Lazarus probably influenced me more than anything to want to get a pup out of him. Sure. And uh, my partner, Mark Miller, up in North Carolina, and I now have partnered on a pup out of Lazarus. And she's a grandson of old Hoss. I hope she'll uh, turn out a little bit like him, too. I mean, him. It's not a she. It's a male pup. Uh, But anyway, yeah, that Lazarus dog is... uh, He's hot right now. He just came back from the uh, American Plot Association uh, Breed Days event. I was up there on Friday just visiting. My brother Randy and I drove over and visited with Bill and Alex and and just a lot of plot people there. But Alex ended up winning. I'm not. Well, Alex with uh, Lazarus ended up king of the hunt up there. They won a cast two nights which just happened to be the second two uh, night champion wins they needed to make grand night champions. Right. Yeah. So you've got Nana has entertained some royalty. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I was telling a guy the other night, you know, I said, I logged, I actually did. I logged over 8,000 miles taking her to get her bread. Wow. To these, to these, you know, top dogs. And right. You know, I kind of did my homework, and uh, yep. I think I think we're definitely, honestly, uh, you know, in all honesty, I think you're going to see Nana within the next within the next year, two years. She's going to be on top of the reproducers list. Well, she she's, should with all the young dogs that. that she's got out there now. You know, and if yeah. they all all finish out, yeah. Well, that's the way I you think, do it, folks. All you do is yeah. get yourself a dog, 
get one that somebody wants to sell and and just jump in the truck and drive 8,000 miles. That's all you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. We have a lot of fun doing it. We had a lot of fun yeah. doing it. Got your picture taken a lot of times. That, that's right. That's right. You still don't yeah. know how to stack that dog. I'm going to have to show you how I to know. stack. I She's know. a good-looking female. Every time I see where you stack her, you got those hind legs straight up and down. I said, hey, give me that dog, Gordy. Let me that show you how to win with that. <laughs> I'm a I'm a hardwood guy, not a plywood guy. You know? I got you. She's a beautiful <laughs> hound, though. She really is. And beautiful yeah, color. I don't know who's grayer anymore, me or her, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you've had a great run with her. How old is she now, uh, Gordy? She'll be, she'll be nine at the end of this month. Yeah, my goodness. They get, they get up there too quick, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. She, you know, if it, if it, if it wasn't for my hearing and, uh, she's lost a lot of mouth too, you know, over the past couple of years. But I honestly think if, if it wasn't for that, she could probably still go in. I honestly mm -hmm. believe that. Well, yeah. you know, uh, my favorite dog that I had, you didn't get to hunt with him. I called him Bronco. He, Bear Pen Plots Bronco. He won that all plot hunt at plot days at eight years old. And, uh, you know, he was still strong at that point. Of course, he lived to be 15. But, oh, wow. uh, yeah, but uh, of course, those last years were in retirement. But, yeah, well, that's the thing with these dogs. They just simply don't live long enough, do they? Yeah. Well, well that's, you know, I got, a, I got some good prospects. You know, I got Ben up there with my partner, Devin Dixon, up in North Carolina. He's doing a heck of a good job with him. Um, yeah, that dog. You know what's funny, Steve, is he he reminds me of Hoss because you can call him off trees. You don't have to put him on a leash. He'll just follow yeah. you. Yeah, and he just he Devin's done a lot with him. I, yeah. I can't thank him enough. Well, when you and, put a handle on a dog, it really means a lot. Sure, sure. you know I I heard Kevin Cable say though that his dogs that he really hunts he likes the wild and crazy kind. You know that go really <laughs> deep and all. And he said I. I don't want to put a handle on them. I don't want to slow them down. <laughs> oh. But then at well, the same time, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, you wouldn't slow Ben down. That's a fact. Right. That, that but at the same time, he'll talk about, uh, if you listen, you got to listen. Uh, talking about his wife, Angie, and his little boy, Jackson, and how they teach him to lead and and all that stuff. So they got a handle on them. They may not have one like like you're talking about, but right. yeah. But it, anyway, well, that's great. And it's been a, a real pri privilege for me to get to hunt with Nan. I guess just about ever since you've had her and the hunts that we took with Bob Frazier with Candy and all great wow. pleasure hunts and old hoss along and those times. And then I, then I strayed from the beaten path and, and got a walker dog, and uh, I'm going to be reporting some things uh, if I can jump away from the plot thing just a minute. Uh, I found out that my, and and have suspected this, and I want to get a guest or two on the podcast to talk about this issue of thyroid dogs. And I think you and I uh, discussed it just a little bit before we started recording tonight. 
that we really don't hear that in the plot breed, or at least I haven't. But in some breeds, and especially in the Walker breed, it's fairly prevalent anymore. And I had noticed a change, and I had talked a little bit about it on the podcast about crews missing more than I thought it should. And uh, finally, my good friend Jamie Perrin and Alabama's been on me ever since uh, back in the fall when we went to the White River. He said, you need to get Cruz checked. And I finally did get it done and, uh, you know, checked him all the way around. He was negative on Lyme and Ehrlichia and heartworm and several other things, but uh, got the report uh, just before this podcast that his thyroid is extremely low. Uh, and it's amazing how this affects dogs. And so I want to get, for future podcasts, I'm going to do my homework and try to get some experts on here to talk about that. But uh, Yeah, good idea. Yeah, it is. But uh, So anyway, I got off on the walker breed a little bit there. Yep. and, and But I've, I've got this pup now that Mark Miller and I own. So we got big things uh, uh, expected from him. But I haven't completely forsaken the walkers. I still got the... Heath Height and I own a, a nice uh, yeah. Trackman pup up there that we have high hopes for. So, but anyway, so a, yeah, go I've ahead. I've got a couple of really nice prospects coming here. I've got, uh, I call him Bayou Banana Split. He's out of Nana and Bill Lazar, or uh, Bill's Lazarus dog. Yeah. And uh, he's just, what, six months, coming seven months old. So I got him and uh, looking forward to getting him rolling this fall. Yeah. And, uh, I picked a puppy up, up, well, it's actually out of Ben, my Ben dog, and uh, me and Devin's Ben dog, actually, and um, uh, Frank Johnson's female up in uh, North Georgia. Mm -hmm. She's Millennium Magic and a uh, pretty boy poacher female. All right. And uh, brought her home, brought her home for my little hunting partner, uh, my granddaughter. All right. Yeah, I think you've got one there that's going to make a coon hunter. She sure acts like it. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Gordy. And, you know, um, hopefully, well, we're the better part of our coon hunting is kind of starting to wind down here now for another sure. year. Uh, by April, it starts warming back up and uh, the humidity comes out and the mosquitoes and the snakes and all those fun things that we put up with down here, which summertime coon hunting is not fun i remember no. that one night you and i went out i think we had hoss and banana but i don't remember what yeah, we, we had. did uh, and we got dead. out of the truck and we're standing there uh and i feel like i am in a sauna i mean yep. it is or i liken it it feels like when you open the the oven door to check on the pizza, you know, I mean, that <laughs> rush of hot, moist I know, air. <laughs> I know, I know exactly where, where we were at. We were down by Dade city. We were actually getting ready to go to a uh, plot days in 2016. Yeah. Well, yeah. we must've done that something right. Because that's one that Nana won. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that we're was... coon hunters and we're going to go when we get a chance. And I know yeah. you go, anymore you've been really good uh to let me ride along with you and, and go along and and i hope we can do that for a lot more years to come oh yeah me too me well, too well anything uh future plans that you have or anything that we didn't cover here we've 
we've been at it an hour and 20 minutes already, Gordy, if you can believe that. That's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. That just means we like to talk. You what? I said, that just means we like to talk. Oh, well, yeah, you know me (laughs) for sure. But uh, we've had a lot of good conversations in the truck. We talk politics sometimes. Uh, We talk coon dogs we talk family we just have and that's what good friends do and you've been a great friend to me and i want to publicly tell tell everybody that well thank you and and that's what this thing is about yeah it's the dogs for sure we love these dogs and and you and i love the brindle ones best of all but uh, but it's the the friendships that we make and uh when i was together with chris and chad and and Bill and Alex and and Trent Williams and his dad up at uh, uh, the APA Breed Days. Everybody was talking and saying, wish Gordy was here. So maybe we can yeah, get man. together and do that next time, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was missing you guys pretty bad. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah I, I'm sure. I, I know the feeling. I know when I was a kid, my dad would go bear hunting. And as soon as I'd get home from school, I, I'd tell dad, now you got to go get to the phone. Uh, they we didn't have cell phones and and tell me what you did today you know and i look forward to that call every day and it was killing me to go to school and not be able to go bear hunting with him you know but yeah 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 we said but we've uh about shined this tree um and i I think there's uh i see a couple of eyes up in that tip top of that old bald cypress way up there it probably that coon's probably got nosebleed. He's so high up in there. But <laughs> I, th- old Nana, in the memory of old Hoss, we treat another one tonight. So for sure, yeah, for sure. Gordy, thank you uh, so much. Uh, I'm going to close this out with a visit from uh, my old buddy uh, Fred Moran, the Redbone Man, up in the Western Hills of Pennsylvania. Fred. Uh, likes to visit with us here on the podcast. And uh, so we'll probably close out the show tonight with Fred. But, uh, Gordy, it's been great having you on. I, I've meant to have you on a long time ago and things just, you know, but I will look forward to getting a report on the Tournament of Champions. Maybe we'll get you back on here and let you tell us all how you won that $50,000. Oh, that's uh, that, yeah, you'll definitely know it. <laughs> well, I'd it. say with your uh history of winning in big hunts uh with prot dogs, you'll you'll definitely have as good a chance as anybody else. So I wish you good luck, Gordy. And uh that new that young pup you got there, I want to get out with uh with him before the weather gets too too hot on us here. But uh Sounds good. All right. Uh, Gordy Schrader from uh, Oklahoma, Florida. Great to have you on, Gordy. Now let's hear from our old friend, Fred Moran, the Red Bull Man. Well, it's time in the podcast to visit with our friend Fred Moran over in the hills of Pennsylvania. Fred Moran, the Red Bull Man. Fred, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about coon clubs because we were talking about them the other day, and we had uh, I asked you about what the first club was that you joined, and and then you had a lot of good information or, or, or thoughts to share about coon hunts, uh, excuse me, coon clubs, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I guess so. Uh, uh, 
what what do you have for us this week, Fred? Well, probably the first club I ever joined was the Butler Club. It was at that time, I believe, called Butler Coon and Fox Hunters Association. And uh, Dick Crow was one of the guys that instigated me coming up there. I said, that's a long way to come to a meeting. He said, well, come up and join us someday. So I did. And the guys were all nice and cordial. They, there was a first club meeting, I believe, it was at least 25, 30 guys, which wasn't bad. And for the, the only club in Pennsylvania at that time that I was aware of, there was nothing down my way in that. And uh, they put put some good hunts on. They're still in existence today. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, can't come because of different things in their schedule, but they still get a decent crowd. And it's good hunting up there. Uh, I remember it's a little hard to find when you don't know where you're going. And they used to put out signs well ahead of time on the back road so you can find that club. And we took a kid that moved here from Germany, and he liked coonut. I sold him a dog. He went to all the night hunts. And I said, you just follow me. I had two or three guys in my truck, and he had a couple guys in his truck. He was lagging behind so far. We decided, I told you that jokester stuff. Well, we decided <laughs> to take pulled us two of the signs out and turned them the opposite way. <laughs> and so he's not headed toward the club. We get there, and there's plenty of time. We went looking for him if it got down to the wire. But finally he comes in. There's about 10 minutes. He said, oh, this is hard to find. He said, somebody had them signs in the wrong way, and we went the wrong way about two times. <laughs> everybody in our bunch knew what happened. But anyhow. Never uh, a dull moment. <laughs> no, no. We we keep everything lively. But we run, uh, uh, there's different clubs. And to my way of thinking, Butler, uh, uh, the club that I belong here, Law, Law Highlands Coon Hunters, uh, which is, well, only 14 miles from my house. I shouldn't say that. People know where I live. Uh, but it's uh, right, nearest town to it is Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania. And they got a good club and a strong club. It's got, uh, uh, I know, I think I heard at the last meeting they had around 70000 in the treasure. That's pretty good for a coon club. We got the same president for at least 30 years. Now, uh, we can't get rid of him. He just <laughs> he just loves it. But uh, uh, Bruce Knopfsnyder, he's a nice guy, and he's holding that club together. When you go to a coon club and they have 60 members show up for a meeting, that's darn good. It but is really, in this day and time for sure. Yeah. But... Uh, I can say it's uh, to get 60 members at a meeting, that's pretty good. Well, uh, but uh, I could tell you old stories about we used to have a coon club, and it put on the Pennsylvania State Championship one time, which, by the way, uh, 
the biggest hunt ever held in Pennsylvania was a Pennsylvania State Championship. And it was put on at uh, uh, Waynesburg, Pennsylvania, and I believe it had 115 dogs. That was real good for Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania don't, Pennsylvania don't get 100 dogs in no night hunt. Me and Chuck Bailey put on a little mountain music hunt in 19, I forget the year, uh, I'd say 1964 or so. We called Eddie Ross and asked him if we could use the name uh, Little Mountain Music, and we wanted to make it with their features. We had a band come in. I called every coon hunter I knew of. From here to Arkansas, and there was a week before Kenton, and they all, everybody showed up but two guys. I I had T.C. Jones here, Marvel Hill from Arkansas. They they supported me in the club. We had a hundred and four dogs. That was the first hunt to ever break a hundred dogs uh, in a hunt, and we had a good crowd. The band had to go to a wedding. To play, we the coon hunters passed a hat around. They stayed for another hour. Was late for the wedding <laughs> and played another hour. Uh, they loved it. We had a good support. Uh, I, I really was amazed at that. And we had guys from Connecticut. You name it, they were there. And uh, uh, well, it, you know uh, what happens there. You know why that happened. Because what? somebody had a vision and somebody was willing to do the work and somebody was willing to get on that phone and call those hunters from all over and all you know and and that's what it takes you know we put well, on a, a hunt one, we put on a hunt in southern West Virginia one time a plot sectional that drew over a hundred dogs unheard of you know well, but we put in leading. a lot of legwork you know and that that's what it takes. I couldn't believe that we had the good crowd as we did. And uh, uh, the next one wasn't that big, but it was a good one. It was probably mm-hmm. 90. Yeah. And uh, but we proved we could do it. And uh, it was a good hunt. And uh, that's how the name Mount Music still stayed to this day. And they still have big hunts, but they don't get no hundred dogs anymore like they once did. In fact, my buddy won. Uh, uh, Mount Music Hunt, the only thing Blairsville Club took it over and started putting it on. And, well, Blairsville put that on, come to think of it. And uh, I thought it might have moved to another club, but Blairsville put it on. That's a good club, too. They get decent crowd. And uh, uh, my old friend, uh, we call him the Black Shadow. Uh, for obvious reasons, he he won the Mount Music Hunt last year. Scott Perky run his dog. And, I see. Uh, well, you yeah. know there there's so many memories, Fred, and so much history to explore. And you know, and we certainly are going to come back and 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 talk about this some more. Are there any good stories that you remember that came out of that Mountain Music Hunt? Well, we didn't play no tricks on anybody that I I remember, but we've we've had to share them, uh, played uh, different uh, events and 
so forth. But I think everybody behaved that weekend. Well, I'll just uh, interject this. Eddie Ross, the name that you've mentioned several times here, was the founder of the Kenton National, I believe, uh, or at least he, he hosted it and he, sponsored he was, it. He uh, Eddie, Eddie and I became good friends. He asked me to write a call, and that's how I got the little well-known. Um, and Eddie took me down to Mississippi, where he used to go. We'd have get-togethers down there. People from all, all over the support his mountain music hut and that. We're invited free of charge, and we just all pitch in the money and buy the food and everything, and we had them thing. And whether you know it or not, uh, as a promoter, he was 100% honest. He found out at one of his mountain music hunts, uh, it was way down south where it was held, uh, how a guy pulled a fast one and someone won the cl- uh, hunt that shouldn't even been in the top 10, let alone win the hunt. And he never put on another hunt again. He said, when I can find honest judges, then I'll put another hunt on. And the average person don't know that. I felt I was a personal friend, and that's what he told me. And uh, uh, he he was a good guy. He, if, if he trusts you and everything, you were in good shape. Yeah. Do you remember this, taking a hunt with Eddie? Oh, yeah. I went out there, me and, me and Chucky hired a friend of mine. We went out there one time. In fact, Eddie had two red dogs, and uh, Chucky bought them both off him. And they were good dogs, and uh, we hunted until daylight. Eddie brought, he didn't have blue or um, blaze at that time. Uh, they were at somebody else's house being hunted, but he brought a dog. He called him Blue, uh, but he wasn't out of them other dog. And we treed on a big den tree. I mean, it was big. It was as wide as your truck. However, it was so old and rotted. We pushed it. We got it rocking. And I told Eddie, there's no coon in that tree. His dog treated. My dog, I don't know where he was. And, uh, well, he was somewhere in the territory, but he didn't do nothing to help tree that coon. I told him, there ain't no coon that tree. He says, if we can rock that tree, we rocked it, got it over. The coon come out and took off. We we had the dogs tied. The coon took off, and, and we're, he's probably still running a high hill. <laughs> but I couldn't believe my dog didn't get treated on that dog. And McCoon was there, but uh, the blue dog Eddie had did a good job, real good job. That may yeah. be the origin of the rule that UKC has. Of course, that wasn't UKC. UKC has about not molesting any dens or places of refuge. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great, great story. And uh, Eddie Ross, you know, founded the Kenton National, and our listeners uh, for many, many years. Uh, would go to every everybody's been there one time or other probably they know it as leafy oak but it's a Kent national yeah and it was on labor day weekend and then that's yep. when ukc i guess decided to put in a hunt to compete that was more right. for the coon hunters instead of the field trial and water race and and uh dog swapping and all the things that the kenton was known for so in 1960 is when Dr. Furman 
I guess, got together with uh, probably Manfred Craver, I would say. was I know Manfred was the manager of Autumn Oaks for many years. And uh, I'm proud. That's a guy I bet you know. Uh, well, I knew Manfred. Yeah, I yeah. knew him well. Well, he was a field rep at the time that I signed on as a field rep in 1978. So a lot of good stories. And he's he's one of your fellow Redbone uh, men that I know uh, that has passed on. And I can remember when he died that Fred Miller drove from Kalamazoo, Michigan down to Greencastle, Indiana, to attend uh, Manfred's funeral. But uh-huh. He was a very uh, uh, well-respected uh, gentleman. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, oh, well, well, listen, Fred, Let's uh, that old clock has kind of caught up with us again uh, for this uh, episode, but we sure do like your stories. We sure do appreciate you being part of the Gone to the Dogs podcast. And, uh, folks, he'll be back next week uh, with more stories from Fred Moran, the Redbone.